greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome back to Winds of Change. I'm your host and uh, Bible teacher, uh, Keith McKenzie. Uh, we're in the uh, second installment uh, of uh, session one here with uh, just an introduction to uh, the veracity of Scripture. And I just want to start right off in prayer here. Father, I give you thanks and praise. I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word, for your word has cost us the hope. Lord, and your word is sufficient for all things. I give you thanks and praise, and I pray, Father, that you would give us eyes and ears to both see and hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Welcome back. Um, I hope you were blessed by the last session. I hope you've been stimulated and prompted in your spirit to spend time in the Word. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Word again. It says in Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, For you have magnified your Word above all your name. Now that when you think about the name of the Lord, and if you've been a Christian for a while, that the name of the Lord, the, the, the name of the Lord is the name above every name. It's also the name that every knee shall bow. But he says here, the psalmist says that you've elevated your word above even your name. That's awesome. But anyway, the word of God, it's our authority. All right. To go outside of Scripture is okay as long as it supports Scripture, whether it's historical, uh, topical, whatever we have today, scientific. But God has given us everything that we need as a as a manual for life, and and I believe as. Um, People have babies in hospitals and they go to the room and, and they look in the mirror and stuff. And I believe that the, the, it would be nice if, you know, when I leave Walmart or Target and, and I get myself a VCR, you know, it comes with a manual. And I believe that we have uh, the most important manual that God gave us is right here. It's called the Holy Bible. All right. It is sufficient for all things. It, it is uh, pertinent for every situation in life. Uh, God's word, it says, it is a discerner. This, th we don't just read this word. This word reads us because in Hebrews it talks about it being a discerner. The word of God uh, divides us and, and it, it inspects us and, and it discerns our thoughts and our intents. So as we read it, God will highlight things by his Holy Spirit and he'll bring things to remembrance that he wants to, um, he wants to change in your life. He wants, he wants to make you more like his son. And his son was perfect. Now, we're, this side of heaven, we're never, ever going to be perfect. But if we work towards that, and what I want to show is the, here in uh, Colossians, I just want to read uh, this portion of scripture and, um, you know, know uh, the preeminence of Christ and he's creator. And what we're doing is we're laying that foundation for um, 
going through Genesis 1 through 11. And by the next session, we will uh, start the uh, verse by verse uh, expositional uh, study of Genesis 1 through 11. But here in Colossians, uh, the Apostle Paul, um, addressing the church at Colossae, says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. says, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always that since we heard of your faith and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of truth of the gospel, and the gospel means good news. It's the truth about the, the spiritual conflict and that we were born into a battle and we were born behind enemy lines. And, and we're, we are captives of the enemy, but the Lord has good news. He's, he's, he's delivering the captives, okay? And that's the gospel. And it says, which has come to you, and it has also in all the world, and bring forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew of the grace of God in truth, as you have also learned from Epipras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. It says, for this reason... And also since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. And it's my prayer also for you is to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy, get that, that you may walk worthy, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That will never happen hearing one or two scriptures a week. You need to eat every day. You need to eat a good diet. I tell my kids that you need to eat three meals a day. So that can come in the form of praying, praising his name, and reading the word. Three meals a day. Pray a little bit every day. Praise him a little bit every day. Are you going through a tough time? God's word says to give him thanks in all things. The enemy wants you to grumble and complain. No. Don't do that. Give him praise. All right? And that's how God turns like a judo flip the, the, the world system around. All right? And then you just you feast on God's word. And the more that you have the more he's going to give you. He will give you little by little. That's his, his way. If, if he's going to bring up the lights, if you've been in a dark place for a while, he can't give you too much light right away. If you've been in a movie studio or something like that, and you come out on a bright, sunshiny day, and you walk out of the dark uh, theater, and all of a sudden, boom, the light hits you, Ooh, it hurts. It hurts your eyes. Our eyes have been made in a manner that we need to adjust to the light. And so does your spirit man. Your spirit man needs to adjust to the light. And God says as a principle that when he gives us things, it's, he does it little by little to see how we manage each thing. And children, they grow 
little by little. So when we become believers, we become born again, new babes in Christ, and it says you're going to grow little by little. All right? And then he says uh, down here in verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, that's unleashing it in here, all right, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified, and I love that, has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the light. Now, the qualification right there is something we could have never done for ourselves. And if you know anything about motor racing and the Indy 500, cars, the, the cars that make the field, only a certain amount of cars are going to make the field, um, the person who drives that car doesn't necessarily have to qualify that car. That car can be qualified by anybody, buddy, and then it's up to the owner to place whoever he wants into that car. But the car qualifies. So God the Father, he, he says to be in his heavenly 500, he says you need to run a perfect lap. All right? None of us can run a perfect lap. We all make a mistake. Um, so he's, he's, he has qualified us, and he says, I'm going to put you in that seat. And uh, if you know anything about racing, that's awesome. But it says, um, he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints of the light. He has delivered us from the present power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, and for the forgiveness of sins. He is the invisible image. I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. All right? The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, principalities and powers. And he's talking here about things that we can't even see. The spirit realm, uh, which is revealed throughout scripture, is there's spirits that minister that we can't see. All right? And, and it says, um, and, that, and there's both, that's where the, the, the struggle is. There's a struggle in uh, heaven where we are the prize all right man is mankind is god's crowning achievement of creation which we'll get to and there's a battle for our souls all right and god has conveyed us and made a way for us to escape uh the enemy camp all right and and that's through his blood and and faith in in what christ has done for us it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head, being Christ, of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. All right? And it says in verse 19, for it pleased the Father, and this is kind of the, the whole crux of uh, Christianity, and it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, 
having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now you have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless. And that's what took place on the cross. What happened on the cross of Christ was Jesus, the sinless, perfect human being, exchanged his perfection, his sinlessness, and he took on our sinfulness, our exceedingly sinfulness, and made the great exchange. He took on our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might live with him. And that's how he made peace. That's how he made peace. And what we'll get into uh, these things in more detail as we go through the, uh, the study. And it says, um, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in faith and are grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which we preach. And, and it, what you need to know in all of that is it all comes down to the word of God. And some, some notes, I'm going to go to my notes so we don't have to jump around and, and read so much. But what I want to do is I want to sew home, I want to bang home why we can, um, you know, trust God's word. All right? It's a historical account of history, the Bible. All right? It has scientific facts, and we have an article up on a website called 101 Scientific Facts. Uh, it was done by Eternal Productions. It's awesome. This is not a science textbook, but it has scientific facts that science has been behind thousands of years and is just now beginning to uh, understand. Okay? Um, it's trustworthy. We can, we can trust that it's a historical account of, of people like Noah, Adam. These are not mythical uh, figures. These are not figures of history for teaching good moral values. Um, these are actual people who actually lived. Um, if Jesus speaks of uh, Noah and other things, and he's, he makes comments as it was in the days of Noah, when Adam did this, in Adam all die, but in Christ all live. And if you don't receive that, and if you don't accept that, you don't accept the Word of God. And you really don't have any right, you know, spending and calling yourself a Christian. You don't. Right? In John chapter 5, it talks about what do we do? The, the, the people came to him and they're like, how do we, you know, what, they, were, they were marveling at the, the good works and the healings that the Lord was doing. And they say, what do we do that we might do the works of, of God? And Jesus said, believe on him, being Jesus, on whom he sent. So he's telling us, for us to do the will of God, he says, believe me. Now that's what we call faith. And a lot of times faith flies in the face of what the world is telling us. But this world is controlled and this world represents a um, spiritual darkness. There's all kinds of spiritual um, counterfeits out there masquerading as uh, enlightening people. But, you know, Jesus said, if that light 
that is in you, being that spiritual discipline, whatever it is, he goes, is darkness. He goes, how great is that darkness? Because that's deception, thinking that it's, it's light and it's not. It's darkness. Jesus is our creator, all right? And because he's our creator, he cares for us. He is the one who gave us the word of God. He gives us a historical account of what's happening uh, in the world today and, and what went wrong, really. Um, we talked about salvation, all right? Let's go over to Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and establish um, faith here. And it says, um, the Apostle Peter, and I want you to note right here that the Apostle Peter, when he wrote this, this was his final swan song. He lived his life. He, he, he was there during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw him crucified. He denied him. Uh, he was restored. A study of Peter is a wonderful uh, example of... Um, restoration, um, courage, failure, and restoration again. And, uh, but in all of that, Peter, the last thing he wants to tell us is about God's Word. Right? He, he, he wants to let us know the trustworthiness of it, growing in faith in it, and then he gives warning of both false prophets and false teachers because the enemy knows that if he masquerade as a uh, prophet or a teacher that he can lead people astray and bring those uh, God's flock and destroy them. All right, so in, in Peter, Second Peter, verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith, that's us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that right there is called a, a Henedes modifier. And it, so when you see where it says God and Savior, that God is the subject and the second part intensifies that for his and Savior Jesus Christ, all the way through like Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43 says, There is no God but me and no other Savior. There is none, no one else. And if you go through Isaiah's chapters 40 through 49, that's called the trial of the false gods, which we're not going to touch on right here. It says, Grace and peace, verse 2, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, and that only comes through reading his word, and Jesus our Lord and his divine power and has given us all things that pertain to life. Here's all things that pertain to life, eternal life. That's that transcending from darkness to life, from death to life. And it says, through knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that we mentioned earlier, that through these you may be partakers in the divine nature. That's Christ living in us and us feeding on the word of God, that, that manna. He's the bread that came down from heaven. Having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust, 
And that's our, our natural tendency and stuff to keep up with the Joneses and to do all these things. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, okay, to knowledge self-control. So as we begin to accumulate knowledge, we're able to, you know, grow and, and not stumble so much like a, like a kid who grows and he's got big feet for a while and they become clumsy. But as you grow in, in this sequence right here outlined, it says we can add to knowledge self-control to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, love. Love fulfills the law. So in all things, if you ever stumble and you're just not that far along in the word and a situation comes up, you say, how, do, how would love respond? All right? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is long-suffering. All right? And then it says, into godliness, brotherly kindness, into brotherly kindness, love. And that's a love for, for the other brethren. And, and uh, there's other things, you know, there's so many Christians that, that they just don't get along. And, and that means that we just haven't matured. And, and I myself, I'm coming through this process too. And it says, for if these things are yours and abound, that means they're abundant, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what he wants for us. Verse 9, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed of his old sins. And, and uh, we get a lot of uh, blind mice, the three blind mice running around uh, today. And it says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says, for this reason, I will not be negligent, and neither will I, to remind you always of these things through, you know, and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think that it is right as long as I am in this tent. That's uh, Peter speaking about his body. To stir you up and reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. So he's speaking of his impending death. And he says right here, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you are always re uh, a reminder of these things after my decease. Verse 16. And it says... For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, which somebody, you know, even churches teach this, that these are, you know, the stories in the Old Testament that we're going to go through. You know, the Tower of Babel, Noah's Flood, uh, the creation account, that these are myths, stories to teach us morals. No, listen, be very, very careful to listen. And it says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, but when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such an excellent voice, and he's speaking about it, the Mount of Transfiguration, says a voice came to him from excellent glory, being God the Father, said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. 
And he says, and we also have the prophetic word, okay, we're talking about the same word here. In Revelation 19, it says that, that Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, so God's very nature is prophetic. All right, it says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in darkness, in a dark, that shines as a light in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men were moved by God, and they were spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, close right there, because we're running out of time for this uh, session. God's Word. For God, how do we know that this is His Word? I mentioned earlier, Isaiah's chapters through 40 through 49, God sets forth a litmus test for all the false gods and all the false prophecies, whether it's the Celestine prophecies, uh, Nostradamus, all these uh, pseudo-prophetic uh, uh, messages that are out there, uh, 2012, all these type of things. God sets forth a program where he validates himself as the God of the Bible. And he says that... Um, the Bible is prophetic in nature. In Ecclesiastes uh, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, That which was in the beginning is what shall be. There's nothing new under the sun. Isaiah chapters 40 through 49, uh, scholars call it the trial of the false gods. That litmus test that God sets forth where he puts everybody on trial, he says, I'm going to sit down here. All right, oh, this is my paraphrase. He says, now you set forth your case. And he says, um, if you're God, he goes, why don't you tell me what's coming? Because this is by his very nature, which authenticates who he says he is. And in, I have here some notes. Um, this is a unique signature of God. All right. God is 100% accurate. Jesus said, not one jot nor tittle shall pass from all of the law, all of his word, all right, till he fulfills everything that was written about himself. Now, according to uh, a source, J. Barton Pine, a cyclopedia of biblical prophecy, all right, the Bible's made up of 66 books by 40 authors penned over a period of approximately 2,000 years. And in that, uh, J. Barton Payne accumulated uh, this, and this is just a general figure, and it says 8,362 predictive verses on 1,600 predictions on 737 separate subjects. Now, nothing comes close to that. Absolutely nothing comes close to that. And that's why you can trust God's word. And the very prophetic nature that he has is, is right there. Now we're going to wrap it up today and then this section. But we just want you to understand, you can trust God's word. What he said yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus Christ 
the same. And we hope you're blessed today. And come back and we're going to start getting into uh, Genesis 1 through 11. Cover a few more things. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Here we are for winning.